And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 113 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Friday, January 8th, 2016. Well, it's January, folks, and that means the first big trade show of the year is in full swing, CES 2016. Yeah, this year features all the practical items that you'll need for your connected lifestyle. Of course, as always, these are all actual real things debuting at CES this year. So, Maybe you need that Wi-Fi-enabled Febreze scent dispenser because nothing covers up those nasty foul bathroom odors than pressing the spray on cranberry cheer over your toilet. That's right. Oh, and if perhaps you're feeling full, you should try Samsung's new connected belt, the Welt. Not even making that up, folks. The Welt. It's a belt that monitors your activity levels and, yes, your waist size. Check it out the app in the App Store. And maybe you need new shoes. That's practical, right? So how about DigitSoul Smart Shoes? For $450, they allow you to control through your smartphone the ability to warm up your tootsies and also, of course, track your daily steps, your activity, and tighten or loosen those bad boys up depending on how much you've been standing all day. Get the app in the App Store. Or for you ladies, there's the I'm Up compact mirror with combo portable phone charger because not only might you need to freshen up your blush you might need to make sure that android device is all powered up to post photos of your date at the same time or are you feeling romantic nothing puts romance in the air like the bluetooth enabled pregnancy test fire our first response test when the app will not only tell you if you're pregnant but will also help you keep informed with great information and content while you wait three minutes for it to figure out whether or not you're pregnant or for you discount hunters out there, you want a GoPro, but you just can't afford GoPro prices, there's Clip-A-Phone, which is clip you put on your baseball cap and then attach your smartphone to your baseball cap. Now you can both take that action video and look like a nerdy idiot doing it. But my favorite, folks, is the Intel. What's that? The Intel is the animatronic tail, where for $500, you can have your own animatronic tail and dinosaur or squirrel or dog or whatever you like. You control the movements with your smartphone. It pairs with all your iOS apps letting you control movements based on tweets or based on content, including presets like T-Rex, dogs, and all that you might shake your assets with. All right, but if that's not enough, we're here for you at PNR. Joe and I bringing you the coolest, most forward-leaning content market gadgetry and practical solutions for the future. We've got to get this thing started. To help me do that, of course, is the world-class of electronic goodies going around. Bring in my friend, my pal, my co-host, the Inspector Go-Go gadget of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? I'm doing doing quite well. I, I have a couple questions. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the tail thing. Does that yeah. mean, is that a strap-on tail? Is it, that... <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It actually and is a strap-on tail. You can control the movements. A cor- a correct, correct. I, had, I, I only saw photos. I did not see actual video of this thing working, but it actually is a thing that exists where you can, through your smartphone, you can actually control the tail or... Actually, there's a non-connected version of it that just has, as they say, uh, carbon fiber vertebra or something like that, which basically moves in a realistic fashion. You know, that might be taking technology just <laughs> just a bit too far. Yeah. Uh, the, the one thing I did like, and I actually, right after we're done recording the show, I'm going to check it out. The the shoes said the shoes that warm. 
themselves. That's right. right. Well, they, you control it actually with your foot for four hundred and fifty dollars. So I get the. They look like the, I put the temperature on and that's right. Control the how cold the temperature of the are. shoes. They, and they look like they look like the sneakers from Back to the Future. Is what they look like. I'm all in on that. I mean, that's that's <laughs> happening. You said only four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe they'll throw it. I don't know if they come in orange. I don't know that they come in orange. But um, yes, if they if they do come in orange, if you don't get them, it would be criminal. I think I'm gonna have to check yeah. that out. I would imagine they don't have a wide variety of colors as of yet, but definitely. probably not. Yeah. Have you ever probably been to CES? Not. I have. I used to go. I used to go every year um, when I was in when I worked for an agency and we specialized in both the the media and entertainment space but also consumer electronics space um i used to go every year and see what was what and it you know it was it's fun it's a it's a big circus it's you know it's it's you get to see some really cool stuff um of course i picked the weird stuff out for the intro but you know there's some really interesting things there so it's fun i i haven't gone in many years though maybe we'll have to do this old marketing next year from ces from ces yeah there you go that would be uh that way we could try these things on firsthand i'd like that yeah it's it's all for the craft it's all for the audience all for them (laughs) everything we do is for you we ready to rock and roll my friend (laughs) i am let's Let's get to the news so our first uh our first uh, news story for the show comes to us courtesy of The Nerdist. I uh, thought that might be appropriate for a way to open here. Um, it is Twitter. It is the big headlines that is sort of circulating around. Of course, a lot of news outlets are reporting this. Twitter is considering killing the 140-character limit. Dun, dun, dun. The article opens up by saying, my, my, Twitter, my, my, Facebook. Oh, my goodness. It's a social media town. In June of 2015, Jack Dorsey, one of the founders of Twitter, who left to start Square, and basically returned to replace Dick Costolo as CEO of the social media site. When he came in, basically, he has really turned things upside down and made it his mission to turn the company around with big changes, the latest, and of course causing all the ire across the social media web, being the possibility of a new 10,000 character limit for tweets. Today he released a statement where he sort of defended all of that, um, which is in this article, and you can actually see it. Uh, I won't spoil it by, by sort of reading it here, but what do you think, Joe? I mean, is this is 10,000 characters a good thing for Twitter, or, is, or does now Twitter become medium or something else? <laughs> That was a good one. That last part. Uh, here's my here's my take. I think that we will be talking about this a year from now, and we will be wondering why Twitter didn't make this change sooner. I actually think. Wow! This is All right, that's be, bold. I think this is actually a significantly good change for Twitter. Um, I think that when people see this, first of all, you think that if, if you just imagine, like, let's say you're in tweet deck, tweet deck and you imagine the tweets coming by, I think we think, oh, my God, here's that long one that's 10,000. That's not the way it's going to work, right? You're going to have – you're still going to see it in the 140-character bunches. But right, but you can expand more yeah. or the ellipses or whatever that you can yeah. actually see more. Um and the 10,000, for those people that don't know, was chosen because that, that I think that is already the uh, the limit for direct messages. So if I direct message you, Robert, I can go up to 10,000 and that's it. So it's right. like they already have that in place. Um, my the, the, the article brings up some key things like they better figure out the spamming like because you could literally put in you know 500 people 
into that 10,000 character limit and spam everyone if you're trying to do that. So they've got to figure that issue out. I'm sure they can figure that out. Uh, it shouldn't be all that difficult for them. But I, I think it's a Yeah, they can limit the number move. of at replies you can do and all that kind of stuff. Something sure. like that. Limit yeah. that. But, I mean, what do you yeah. think? Do you think it's a good move? Does it matter? Do I, mean, I we- think it's too little too late. I think it's – Really? You know, yeah, I do. I do. I think it's um, – I think it's it, – it's, you know, I, I think it basically ch- – it changes, certainly – fundamentally what Twitter becomes. Twitter now becomes a blogging platform, not a micro-blogging platform. Um, And so, you know, I think in large part a a small percentage of people will avail themselves of 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 this you know most people will avail themselves of 150 or 200 or 300 characters you know it's going to become you know it's not going to overnight become like this unwieldy sort of um huge wave of things although you know for those of us who have any sizable following, this makes it really, really difficult to to, to really see things. Uh, unless, as you say, it becomes sort of a read more kind of idea. I don't think you'll be able to notice the difference. Like, I really think that maybe not, maybe not, I'm, maybe not. But I, I, you know, one, there's a, a side of me from a technological standpoint just says, "Wow, this is a really interesting challenge. How do you?" You know, quite frankly, 10x increase, 9x increase the amount of content that's going to be flowing through your pipes and and sort of handle all of that. And I think there's a really interesting. I mean, I imagine the the tweet decks and the sort of the the sort of um, social suites out there are kind of freaking out right about now because they're going to have to suck in all this information and data, and that's going to increase their costs. So there's a really interesting challenge there i think but coming back to the user side you know i think it's interesting i just don't think it's going to be i don't think it's this is this is not the kind of thing it provides more real estate for them to insert sponsored stuff into for sure i just don't know that it moves the needle in terms of the business i'm 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 skeptical i guess no i think that you should be skeptical i mean even if you look at i just looked up twitter stock price they're at right even 20 as we record this on friday and they've lost you know they're down to under 14 billion dollars market cap right uh, where they were hanging around more than twice that for a long long time and it's i mean they're, they're they're getting crushed by this whole thing but the one thing that it does open up Let's say, just say from a content creation standpoint, if you look at Facebook and you go to LinkedIn and you go to, you can actually publish significant pieces of content. You could, you can do blogging on those platforms. Of course. You've got Facebook Live and Facebook Mentions and you've got, I mean, any of these other social media platforms, you can create longer, longer form content. You can't do that on Twitter until now. Now you can actually do, you could actually have, smaller blog posts consistently driven where you can try to create your audience, even though it's not an owned media uh, example, you know, you can go build that audience on Twitter in a little bit different fashion than just sharing content from other people's sites or your own site. So that is interesting because well, that that's a fair hasn't point. been available yep. before. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And, 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 and I think it's probably equally likely your prediction, which I think is a bold one. And I think a, a good one, um, is equally likely, right? Where a year from now we may be going, oh my gosh, this, you know, why didn't they do this sooner? This is really fascinating. It turned into this wonderful thing, but I don't know that it turns the company around. And, and, and for that, it's, this might be one of those things where, you know, I think it was, it was either Google plus or some, you know, I mean, look right at the end of my space, you know, there was a lot of innovation that started to happen around MySpace. You know, remember they cleaned it up, they did a whole bunch of things, then they sort of pivoted, you know, three or four times in the scope of like five or six months. 
all to nothing. Um, they made some really big changes there at the end, and nobody cared. And I just wonder if moving to more is going to make people care more. And that's, I think, you know, because I think that, you know, the, the thing now is the that – what what is a really interesting thing now for Twitter is is and they have not figured this out yet is it captures the zeitgeist of what's going on in popular culture better than just about any yes. any any social network out there and you know you you can't miss it now you watch entertainment tonight or the news and it's the way celebrities commute with communicate with their audiences and they say, you know, and everybody looks for the comment, right? You know, so when somebody dies, you see all the celebrities, you know, tweeting out and et cetera, et cetera. And that really works with 140 characters because it makes for pithy, quotable statements. It doesn't work as well, I think, in a 10,000 character limit because now all of a sudden everybody's going to be encouraged to write thousand word missives. Um, where you know it, it, it anyway. I well, not I, to go off on a rant, no, but I just don't think it. I don't think it. I don't think it moves. I don't think it makes me care anymore about Twitter. Well, the thing is, let's just take it from our standpoint at CMI. It's probably still our most effective social channel. You know, our CM World uh, weekly tweet chats have, have just keep getting stronger and stronger. It's it's an important part of what we do socially. We still get the majority of our traffic coming from Twitter. I mean, that has to do a lot with the fact that. You know, things that are on Facebook are staying on Facebook and and whatnot. But I I think that we're all down on Twitter, not because of it's not working for companies. I think it's working for companies. I think the problem is is that their user base has plateaued. I mean, they're pretty much where they're at now. They're I mean, what are they at? Three hundred twenty million, and it's really not growing that much now. Uh, But from a from an actual results standpoint, I think it's working for companies, right? Well, I mean, that's so the thing. All, I, why are we down on it? So no, no, no. Much, I, 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 no, no. Here's the, so here's a, here's an important distinction. I think it's a terribly useful for companies and for I love Twitter. I love I, I I it's one of my go-tos for sure. Love Twitter. It's very useful for me. It's very useful for many of the companies we work with. I think the re- I'm down. I'm not down on the platform. I'm down on the company that that has yes. failed to understand how to monetize itself for good and for. You're talking bad. about that. Yeah, you're talking about. I think that's the difference. We're talking about the business model. Yeah. What and that's the of course that's the challenge. But a lot of what they're doing is working. Here, so here's another thought, and then we'll go on to another article. But yeah. my, what if they they add this ten thousand uh, character thing, and then they also say. And we're going to basically do what Facebook and YouTube and everyone else has been doing, where we're only going to show the stuff we think per our algorithm is relevant. And if they do that, they'll open up more opportunities for monetization. Sure. Because it worked with Facebook and it's working with YouTube. It's just a model that and I don't say I like it. But we've seen it work before. They could go to that model and say, now you're not just going to see all kinds of spam from everybody that you follow or whatever. You're only going to see the stuff that we think you need to see from the people you regularly well, that's, engage and that's the Right. That's the go big or go home part of this, yeah. this gambit, right, which is do you – you know, by by doing this, they risk making the platform less valuable to the users and more valuable to advertisers and the business. And so that I mean, and so <clears throat> the interesting thing is, will will I, as a user, as a passionate user of Twitter, start to lose interest if the if the thing goes to ten? Because you know, I, yeah. I'm not going to blog on Twitter. I mean, just not. I mean, you know, I, I you know, I'll be one of those people who maybe goes over 140 characters occasionally, right? It's you know, and you know, I'll spend less time editing, you know, my 
grammar and you know saying you are instead of y o u r or you know apostrophe e you know that kind of thing right you know it's 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 you know the grammar will get better because you won't be worried about trying to do things in 140 characters but i'm not going to be posting you know yeah. thousand word blog post on the on the thing and i don't, don't so it doesn't make it any more valuable to me as a as a user now but somebody will Somebody right. will. And oh yeah. So oh, people. Oh, definitely. But the, but the I, one I'll, thing is, I can tell you who they'll be. These well, of course. Forward, you know, we see them in our. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing is, is that if you have live breaking information that you want to share with your audience base, there's only one really good way to do that right now, and that's Twitter. Because if you did that on Facebook, you don't know who's going to see it. Right. Right now, you know, <laughs> if you send it out, you'll it'll that's get right. some traction if if it's newsworthy. That's right. Um, and Facebook, you know, who knows? It might not even show up depending yeah. on who you are. So anyways, we'll, we'll, right. we'll see. To be seen. Uh, that is absolutely. All right. Moving on to our second uh, article of the show. We're going to pair a couple of articles together here. Um, because they sort of provide nice bookends to uh, ring the bell, ding, 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 a native ad discussion. Um, this uh, first article comes to us courtesy of AdAge.com, and it is Turner, the TV network, seeks to become one big native ad platform. Uh, Turner is looking to turn its TV networks into one big ad, ad platform for native advertising. The cable programmer, whose channels include TBS, TNT, CNN, the Cartoon Network, among others, is introducing a new native advertising unit at the Consumer Electronics Show this week. Um, I think that's fascinating, by the way. Turner will work with marketers to replace traditional commercials with pods that tell a branded story, said Dan Reese, head of content partnerships at Turner. Quote, the idea is to turn Turner into a giant native ad platform. So they themselves said that. We're going to pair that with an ad that comes to us just literally breaking today um, on Digiday.com with the headline, Publishers are going to hit a wall with native ads. The native ad gold rush peaked last year, says the beginning of the article with the likes of USA Today, Politico, and the New Republic setting up units to develop ads that look like editorial articles and videos. Publishers like the New York Times and the Washington Post, known for their heavily designed campaigns, ran more in 2015 than in 2014. At the Daily Beast, the RFPs asking for native or branded content figure grew 50% last year, said president and publisher Mike Dyer. So, I ask you, Mr. Publishing Guy, um... (laughs) Which one is the right strategy? Is is Turner right, or is pub, are publishers going to hit this wall? Sort of the the you know basically what's what's happening here? Well, I do have a take on this. <laughs> it's uh, a deep subject, the well. Yes, yeah. I have to I have to take deep breaths before I get into this one. Uh, first off, on the on the TNT yeah uh, move, the Turner move. I so I have another prediction for you. Here's here's and I don't know why I thought this, but I actually think this is going to happen. First of all, we've, we've talked about this many episodes where we're sort of this native advertising sponsored content on television is going back to the good old days from the, so we think we talked about it last episode. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it's interesting to see. And and we've talked about the Conan O'Brien thing on this episode where almost every episode, he does a sponsored piece of content that you can't really tell. Is that part of the, the, the shtick or is it advertising right. or whatever the case is? This is what right. I think is going to happen. They're going to, let's say this time next year in the next 18 months, you're going to have some of this run on Conan or these special uh, series that are, are going to be part of a sponsored content or native advertising play on a particular show. And a few of them are going to be hits. They're going to be really, really successful and they'll spin off into their own shows. 
that's what I actually think is going to happen. Wow. I think you're – That is a bold prediction. That is a bold prediction. But I think that's where you can have some of these brands will say, wow, this is really working. What if we took that little mini series that we've been doing on Conan or on TBS or whatever the case is, and it's so successful, so popular. And turn it into – you mean turn it into an owned media property. Into so this an is, own, exactly. This is the equivalent of Blend Tech basically going to Turner and saying, we want to do a segment on Conan about a will it blend – doing that three or four times and then taking it over as a web series. That's exactly right. A web that's series a genius or, idea. Or that's a ex- genius idea, by the way. Or I ex- love that idea. Well, that's why I think you'll say, okay, we, we don't want to necessarily go all in with the own platform. Let's go and do this native thing. And, it, oh, it got some resonance. Look, it's going crazy on social. Uh, people are starting to share this stuff. Uh, what if we actually let's do eight, eight episodes of this sucker? And we'll put it on Netflix, or we'll we'll buy we'll buy time on TBS or TNT or something like that. I think that's what I think. I think you're going to see. I I, th- I think that is. I love that idea so much. I can't even tell you. I think that is. Uh, I don't know that it's going to happen, uh, but I I I I hope. I really really yeah. Hope maybe it does. I'm wishing it. Into yeah yeah yeah. I really hope it. I really hope it does because it's such a cool idea. Um, it's such a cool idea. I mean, look. I mean, even Turner could. Help. I mean, the thing is, if you know, I don't know that they're going to want that right to happen. They don't. You know, this is they they want well, they it can to sell stay, the space the, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, they, could it's sell, be, they could say, look, we've got a half hour just for you. If you're going to spend enough money with us, you can you can have the eight eight o'clock time slot. Done. That's such a good idea. Yeah, I don't know if it would work, but I mean, that's where I'm thinking. Even the title for the show could be not that we produced it yet. Could be like Native Spawn is actually spawning into owned. If it makes sense, and you can do it as a test case, it's like a we talk about the pilot program all yeah, the time. It's such Let's a take great our idea. pilot, we'll run it, we'll, we'll rent the audience, we'll see what works in front of this audience that we're trying to target, and then we'll take it off on our own. But so. it's such a great idea. I mean, because it's, I mean, and by the way, that works. I hadn't even thought about this before, but that totally works in the publishing world as well. I mean, not to not to sort of segue into the other article here, but the from if I'm creating content for a New York Times or even, you know, oddly a Forbes brand voice or something like that, what a great way to beta test an idea for an owned media property would be to create this content episodically and pay for the space in an audience that I know is my target audience, see if it resonates, work it, work it, work it, and then launch the own media pro- channel as a means of pulling them over to my show. And the great thing about that model is the fact that now you're not, not starting from ground zero. Yeah. You're, you've already built right. the following. You've stolen the audience. And you'd say, hey, now we're, now we're showing over on this channel. It's a fascinating idea. Go to town. Yeah, that's um, a fascinating idea. I guess, I guess on the second article, I don't agree. Uh, I when it says basically the title of the article is publishers that are about to hit a wall. Hit a wall, with wall right? I totally disagree with that. I don't even yeah. think we're I don't even think we're close to that yet. Uh, that we're still at very very early stages. Now the the article goes on to say that it's quite crowded. There's everyone's getting into native a lot of content studios and whatnot. But here's the thing: most publishers out there right now, let's say digital publishers, yes. They're opening up the the native kimono, let's say, or the opportunities <laughs> a little bit mo- more than they ever have before. But I don't think we've seen anything yet. I mean, look at BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed, ninety percent, whatever, almost all of their uh, their revenue comes from sponsored content. If you yeah. look at look at a USA Today or look at a New York Times, maybe five percent, ten percent. How far could you go? You could go a lot farther. That's right. 
and you're still getting requests out there, I don't think it's died down at all. I think it's becoming kind of like what we've talked about a lot of times with content marketing. It's not like a very experimental thing anymore. It's something that people are just going to say, hey, we, we want to use this or we don't. They have right. actual take on it. It's not experimental anymore. Yeah. I, don't I mean, I think unless disaster strikes, you know, unless there's something so onerous that hits the news that publishers get freaked out by it and, and stop, I think you're absolutely right. This is only this is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, it would have to be something big, like somebody gets sued and it's like a huge thing and it's embarrassing and, and all that kind of stuff that just freaks out the entire marketplace. But I, I just don't I don't see that happening. Um and so I, I, I'm with you. I think we're in the very early innings of this. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it, you know, we've talked about this on the show, too, that this is not, you know, when it's done well, this is not a terribly automatable or, you know, scalable strategy. It needs to be handled very, very carefully with human hands. And so I think it becomes difficult. And so I think you're going to see a lot of struggle, but I don't know that it's a wall. Per but se. you know, it's interesting back to your take, you know, I started with the Conan thing, but you were t- then talking about, but you could do this to launch in different, uh, on, to different, on different media sites. If you're going to launch your own property, maybe that's really what, in a lot of cases, what native evolves into. It's like, as like, as the Marriott's and the Red Bulls of the world want right. to launch different yeah. content properties, they say, all right, let's not risk it on our platform. Let's right. leverage and, and Kill somebody else's platform. Exactly. See how it goes, so we right. don't have to burn our own credibility. We'll do it on their site. It'll either take Such off a or great won't. Idea. No, and it's then a great we idea. Say, oh, that one did well. Into this, you know, basically like running a pilot show in front of a. Uh, I mean, you know this better than I do. When you run it, you know, you're running your show in front of a focus group. Yeah. yeah. Same same type of thing. It's just we're doing it live and we're using somebody else's audience well that's exactly how i mean that's exactly how pilots are created i mean the number of pilots versus the number of shows you actually see on any given year you know it's astronomical you know and network well it's not the case anymore where budgets have been slashed so much but it used to be um you know that that networks would fund you know a hundred pilots you know i mean you know the the number would be in the hundreds of pilots that they would actually shoot of which 10 maybe would make a new season yeah. And so, you know. But isn't yeah. it now now thinking about it, isn't it odd that nobody does that? It is odd. It, In, I mean, on digital it, publishing, it's done all the time. On you know, when you think about that not necessarily from a brand, but pilots and you say, "Oh, we're going to run it, see how it goes." You could you could use that effort on It's the time thing. It's, we talked about this happen. before. It's the time thing. But people don't want to, you know, the investment level versus time in most businesses just isn't there. The the marketing the marketing teams that are, are that are that are working, they're, you know, I mean I've said this in workshops before. It's like, you know, when I was comparing, I can't remember who it was, but basically there was this oh, it was Stephen Quinn, the Walmart CMO CMO who's no longer CMO of Walmart, I believe. Um, but he was saying that they work uh, I think it was it was their 70-20-10 split where 70% is working on today, 20% is working on tomorrow, and 10% is working on the future. And I say basically most marketing teams are working 100% on yesterday, right? You know, oh they're, they're already That's late, good. right, in most marketing organizations. They're already late for the stuff they're doing. So thinking about creating something that they're going to invest in, a property that they're going to invest in, that they're going to beta – 
and try and see if it works for any length of time is there's just no time for that. There's no, there's no desire to do that. It would be a great idea, but it's that mindset of content as an investment, you know, it, it, which nicely segues basically into our next story here. But, but it, 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 content as an investment is still looked at very much like a campaign oriented. Yeah. We're already late. We should be publishing t- today kind of mindset. Do you want to roll into the next one? I do, actually. Yes. Yeah. So this is our uh, last uh, story for the show, and it comes to us courtesy of AdAge. Um, it is Top Challenges for B2B CMOs, uh, 2016 edition, Customers, Data, and Content. Uh, the article opens up by saying, reaching millennial customers. I am so tired, by the way, of articles opening up with how the do we M reach word. millennials. I know you won't even, you won't even say it in Lord. workshops it's anymore. The, you just so say the M word. Ridiculous. <laughs> Um, so there's just, it's, that's not an alien species. It's just, anyway, I'll get off on a rant on this. Anyway, managing big data and training people with digital skills are some of the top challenges for B2B CMOs this year. In an ad age virtual roundtable, including Maggie Chan Jones, CMO of SAP, John Kennedy, CMO of Xerox, and Karen Quintos, CMO of Dell, these senior B2B execs discuss their marketing priorities for 2016 and then goes on to, uh, basically have them list out what their real priorities are for the year, which the, I, you know, I want to get your take on this, Joe, but my total impression here, what I love so much about this article was not necessarily what they said, but the fact that every single one of them without fail, basically, whether they did it explicitly or not, said content is the biggest priority. Content and customer centricity and customer experience is our, is our main, you know, basically is our, is our main focus. Yes, I totally hear you on that, um, and I obviously see that. And it was great to see that. My question is, and we, somebody, I, I did an interview yesterday about budgets for, um, for content marketing increase in budgets in, in 2016. Yeah, and they said, "Are you going to see huge, you know, huge money come around to content marketing?" I said, "No." I said, "What you're going to see is like we've seen every year for the past seven years. You're going to see a little bit more than next right. in the last That's year, right. and you're going to and like I always love this when you look at the growth of mobile. Everybody every year for the past ten years has said, "Oh, mobile's up again significantly, but we thought it would be more." That's exactly what's happened with content marketing for the past five years. Right. Now you've got CMOs here saying, "Oh, it's all really, really important." My question is, and I mean, you can comment on it. I, I guess it's rhetorical. Do they are they really willing to invest in content, the content marketing approach that we talk about, or are they just saying, "Oh, yeah, we have to have content." Uh, of course we do. We want engagement. We want all that stuff. But are they really doing what Marriott's doing and some of these other organizations saying, no, we really want to build an audience. It's critical for our future. We need to build this asset. I don't see that happening. In no, the answer is not yet, for sure. <clears throat> the answer is not yet. Because even in this article, look at the article, the way it tees it up. It basically says content is described as and then they list everything, right? <laughs> they basically list everything from one sheets to brochures to YouTube videos to infographics to white papers to blog posts to web pages to emails to, you know, I mean, it's basically every. So what they're really saying here, what these CMOs are really saying, and, and I'm not discrediting any of these CMOs sure. particularly here, but, but what they're all saying is basically, yeah, we're going to be creating more content. We're going to be spending more to do so. And, you know, I mean – what I want them to say is we're going to be investing in 
um, the people and change to develop content that's valuable for our customers, which I haven't seen that much. You know, it's basically a lot more of us, us, us. We're going to create more, more content that helps brand us in a better way. And to me, it's, it's if they're really, truly going to embrace content, you know, I mean, I know you like this quote, but it's, it's, it's true. It, the idea is how do we actually decrease the amount of content and increase yeah. its impact? And, and, and that's, that's what I'm not seeing from these CMOs explicitly or even implicitly is to have them say, you know what? The question is actually wrong. The question isn't what we're going to, what more we're going to do. It's what we're actually, what less, what we're going to say no to, what we're actually going to, where we're going to focus our energies. Because it seems to me that when I see most CMOs out there talking, they're talking about more, 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 more technology, more content, more channels, more platforms, more brand awareness, yeah. more this, and it's just not working. It's just, you know, and, and, and so even to the point that the, the whole article here seems to be about priorities for 2016 and basically the answers. And again, I don't mean to discredit these people specifically because no. I'm, I'm sure we're getting a very truncated version of what they actually said in the roundtable. But basically, the, the the feeling is we need to actually just try and do everything, and, and hopefully some of it will stick. And that, I think, is the wrong approach. But this, and you're right. I mean, we don't know how. Uh, I don't exactly. know how. Well, I, I don't know really this, clear that how these guys yeah, answer is nothing not. Nothing against yet, this, right. but this is there, there's one part in here that is classic thinking. Uh, and I don't know how it was edited, but I'm going to read this because I think it's important. Basically, it says, we continue to allocate significant year-over-year increases around digital and content, and we will continue to do that next year, period. Next sentence. 2016 is the first year we will start a PGA sponsorship as title sponsor of the World Golf Championships <laughs> Match Play, which will give us a great opportunity to reach a global audience with media spots that will air in the U.S. and key markets around the world. That's... Right. What we've what, that's what we're right. see, what we've been seeing. Right. I'm just saying that is we're gonna we're gonna you know what they're saying is they're saying we're gonna make America great again is what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh god. I just I saw the one thing the other day it was a one small clip to to Trump and it said uh, so which uh, what do you like better do you like the Old Testament or the New Testament. Oh. I like both equally. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make America great again. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> they both got good parts. They both they go, oh, that, that, that whole that whole that whole six day thing, I'm I'm all about that. <laughs> Have you seen any of the real Donald Trump tweets? Yes. You seen those? Oh, that, yes. that Jesus, that dirty feet. Oh. <laughs> Come on. We can do better than that. Yeah. Oh, I think that's enough of that. <laughs> All right, let's move. Yeah, let's move on yeah. to uh, before we get into trouble here. Let's move into. We have a wonderful, wonderful Ooh. new returning sponsor to talk about here. We do. And yes, thank you to our this old uh, this old marketing sponsor this week, Demandbase. Uh, been a longtime supporter of us here and Content Marketing Institute. Uh, basically, today's B two B marketing. We're just talking about B two B. I know. Face a wealth of challenges. Even with all prioritize challenges, <laughs> even with all the marketing technologies helping to reach prospects and track results, most marketers end up spending their time focused on tactics for execution and not the strategies <laughs> these tools support. I think we just talked. We about just teed that, that up like we nobody's did. business. We, we didn't even mean right to do into that. The right. giveaway. Yeah. Fortunately, there's a better path forward, and it's called account 
account-based marketing. Have you heard of account-based marketing before, I Robert? Have. I have. It's the new black. It's definitely it's where yeah, all the kids the, are dancing to these days. Yeah, I was sure. on the bus the other day. They were talking yeah. about it. According to a serious decision survey, 92% of B2B marketers go as far as to call ABM a must-have. <laughs> What are they? <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to know what the other eight percent. That's what said. they said on yeah, the bus. Right. I'm just okay. You. In this ebook, you'll learn actionable insights on how account-based marketing will pull together those disparate resources into something that makes everyone at your company say, "Wow!" While setting you on the path to successful 2016. And I'm not kidding. This is a really good ebook. You need it's a to great ebook. It. No, it's a great ebook. These so guys produce can, great content. It's called Account-Based Marketing <clears throat> Fundamentals. Every B2B marketer must know, and if you're a B2B marketer and you're not familiar with account-based marketing, you need to download this. Go to uh, demandbase.com. That's demandbase.com slash thisoldmarketing. Demandbase.com slash thisoldmarketing. And if you're going to go check it out, don't go to Google and, and find it. We want you to go to demandbase.com slash thisoldmarketing because that's how we get, you know, we, we have to show performance for this uh, podcast. So if you don't go to that's that right. link, they don't know they got there through our show. So make sure you go. And if you talk to any folks at Demand Base, say that you heard about it here. Thanks to our Thanks friends to at Demand Base for making this possible. Absolutely. Well, for, and kudos to them, by the way, for getting a great URL. I mean, for actually putting the URL together that truly makes sense here, right? Instead of like, you know, slash campaign dash five seven three two nine dash download dot html blah 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 it's just demandbase.com slash yeah, this old marketing yeah. thank you Sla- for, yeah slash thank you for podcast yes. list dash two idiots dash. thank you for, <laughs> right thank you for the folder level presence on your web you server go. we we truly appreciate it all right ladies and gentlemen um it is now time for your favorite part of the show it is our rants and rave section where joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel well you know like our toots are getting warm from those fancy shoes, or quite frankly, like we need to spray a little Febreze with our iPhone. Um, and let's see, I guess uh, you're going first because you have this old marketing. I do. It would be me. So I've got two raves and a rant. Uh, I'm going to be very quick about this. And one of these I want to get your take on, Robert. So the okay. first one comes from our favorite place on the, in the world, medium.com, article by Paul Risen. Uh, this is courtesy of Michael Andrews. Thanks, Michael. Uh, this, I really like this article. Um, so basically, Paul talks about in this article, it calls it the S word. He talks about how companies are throwing around the word storytelling without really understanding what it means. We've heard that before. But he offers up this really interesting definition that I've been kind of racking my brain over. And I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's something. So basically, he says storytelling is the revelation of connected information over time. So I'm hedging on that a little bit, but but I want to go into a couple of these areas uh, because I like what came next. Basically says, the keys to success in Paul's analysis is that the story or narrative unfolds over time, consistently over time, and this is especially true on the web. He says that storytelling is about serial communication of information. Then he says, storytelling is dedicated to revealing elements of that world in a very particular order, shining a flashlight into the dark, and lifting the fog of war piece by piece. So just, it, you know, there's more, but I really like this, this take on storytelling, specifically, yeah. Robert, just because the serial communication of information, and it, I guess the, the, 
there's a rant part of this, not not on the article, but in general, because there's so many brands out there that, that are saying they're doing storytelling, but they're wrapped in a campaign bubble. Right. If we can get more people to understand that storytelling is over time, uh, that would be a good thing. So I like that article. I've got a rant here, and you and I talked about this a little bit, and this is what I wanted to get your take. This is a Wall Street Journal article on how more companies are incentivizing readers to watch their advertisements. This is courtesy of Greg Williams via Twitter, and a number of other people sent it to us, but thanks, Greg, for that. Now, I don't have much to offer on this one outside of the fact that the entire <laughs> article made me a bit sick after reading it. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, That's a strong it, reaction. It did. I didn't, I didn't feel good about this at all, but I want to read part of this. Uh, so part of this article says that my, Mitchell Reichgut, chief executive at Jun Group, claims his company has executed incentive-based ad campaigns for 40% of the top 200 advertisers. I didn't realize this, but I just thought that was a, that's a lot. Uh, the article goes on to say that this could be one of the growing areas of advertising spend in 2016. It's heavily used in gaming, I guess, to receive gaming credits as they're waiting for certain parts to, to come around. But I guess my question here for you, Robert, is this a last-ditch effort by, let's say, the old advertising guard to really, really interrupt us to just get the most out of it? Or is this an, a new wave of advertising we really need to be prepared for? It's both. It is. It is both. It is. It is. It is a. You know, a, the, my answer to um, remind me his name, a kind gentleman who sent the the, the link over. Oh, Greg. Uh, Greg. Greg Williams. My answer to Greg when he sent this over to us on Twitter was, you know, it's it's going to grow, but not because it's a smart strategy. Um, and so it's both. It's both a new thing that we're going to see. I think as a as a trend, as a fad. I will put it that way um, for the foreseeable future because it is a last ditch sort of uh, way to try and get people to pay attention. You know, this is this, this is nothing new, of course. You know, they, do, I don't know if you remember, remember um, back in the early 2000s, there was actually companies that came up that you could sign up for where what you would do is you would actually go watch ads and you would you could get paid money. You remember this? There were yeah. startups yeah. where yeah. you could actually sign up and you would actually, you know, you could get paid pennies basically to go surf around the web and see ads and watch ads and then you could prove that you actually saw the ads by by, you know, posting like small book reports and giving them a, a report on what you saw and you would actually get, you know, a dollar or, you know, 50 cents or something like that. And it, of course, fell on its face because why? Because it's stupid. It's just a stupid, <laughs> stupid idea. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> it's just a stupid idea. I mean, if I'm a marketing guy and the, I, you know, the, I mean, it, this gets to the, your, your rave. Part of what that guy talks about in that in that storytelling thing is, um, is doesn't he doesn't he speak to the idea of um, the 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 brand manager seeing the the at, at one of the companies seeing like the, their name being thrown out or something like that. I, anyway, I'm, I'm I'm riffing now, but the this is a bad idea, and but it's but for those advertising and media buyers and and sort of those people that are basically get paid or bonus on the number of views they get or the interactions they get, it's a way to game the system. 
In other words, if my whole job is to get people to view an ad or to actually click through on something and I have to pay somebody to do it, well, that might actually be cheaper than paying for the extra reach that I need to get that conversion. It certainly might be cheaper than actually doing the work, the actual research and work to either create content that would make that worth clicking through or to actually find the right properties that would generate a, a deeper or more higher percentage click through rate. So it's... It's a different thing than than the video games that are allowing you to pay for, you know, extra lives or a bridge that, you know, you can, you know, or extra basically skills in a game or something like that. That's just a different thing than it is to actually pay someone to, to, to watch an ad. Well, it's and interesting. I just, I just thought of this. So I, I told you that I went to see The Big Short, the movie. Yeah. And I, I'm reading the book now. There's a whole section of the book now that talks about how people are in, incented. Whatever people are incented to do, that's what they do. Like if you're not sure about human behavior, just figure out what they're incentivized to do. And if marketers are incentivized to get – a super amount of leads in a very short period of time or a super amount of attention in a very short period of time, they're not going to do content marketing. They're going to do stuff like this. Of course. So of course. I mean, I was having this discussion with somebody the other day, which there's a wonderful, I've I've lost the link now, but there was a wonderful article by someone who wrote about this and I use the quote all the time. So I'm not attributing a quote that I should attribute. So fair warning, which is basically your company is designed to do exactly what it does. And what they meant by that was basically your marketing department, your the people who they're they're doing exactly what you're designed to do, which is if they're you know if their goal, the way that they're bonus, the way that they're incentivized is to produce more leads into the funnel, then they're going to do exactly that. Hell or high water, the quality, hell or high water, the where they come from or how much they cost, whatever it takes to pour more leads into the funnel is how they will you know, and so. Whatever we're incentivized to do as humans, we'll do. And so it's 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 about redesigning the process, not and and the goals and the way that we measure and the way that we attribute success that will change the outcome of creation of the strategy. So my last one, yeah, uh, is just a real quick rave. This is courtesy of our friend James Gardner. Um, this is Contently's twenty one content marketing predictions for two thousand sixteen, and I just wanted to share this one because I thought it was interesting. And this comes from Shane uh, Snow, chief creative officer over Contently, and Shane says, over the last few years, celebrities started investing in tech companies en masse. This year, we'll see a bunch of them st- uh, start media hubs. Zoe Deschanel and Ashton Kutcher were early into this game in 2016. Everybody's jumping in. I absolutely see this happening. Oh, I mean, yeah, can't sure. you just see in the next... I mean, you've got Derek Jeter with Players' Tribune. Yeah. I think that you are going to see dozens and dozens of media hub launches uh, by Huge. celebrities in 2016. So absolutely just get right. ready for it. It's going to be uh, it's going to be something fun to watch. Uh, tragic in some ways, but fun in other <laughs> in other ways. Tragic so, in some ways. <laughs> depending on <laughs> comical in others, on yeah, for sure. Who it is. I mean, you know Charlie Sheen's going to do it. No, so just <laughs> oh, no. There's you so know many it's, jo- it's coming. So There's many jokes. So All right, many my friend, jokes. You're up. What do you got? Okay, I got a very short rave and a very very short rant. Um, my short rave um, with the, what we'll link to in the show notes comes to us courtesy of channelweb.co.uk. It's a UK-based site. The headline is what grabbed my attention here, which was Cisco declares digital marketing term redundant. And I'm just glad somebody did. I'm, I'm just so, so glad. The article basically goes on to say the tech giants, um, I, I, EMEA, which I guess is Europe – 
Mediterranean and Africa. I'm, I'm guessing it's basically EMEA um, sort of marketing director. Christine Bailey said the term digital marketing is now redundant in the same way as phrases from the late 1990s, beginning with E for electronics, such as e-business, e-CRM, et cetera. And we're dropping the E because things electronically has become the norm. The same is happening with the term digital marketing. As Cisco's chief marketing officer, Karen Walker, has said, marketing was the last function to be industrialized and the first to be digitized. Marketing in the future means we're no longer doing digital marketing. We're simply doing marketing in a digital world. And I just, I've, I'm, you know, you've heard me say this in workshops. It's like, you know, businesses today, we have a vice president of digital marketing and a vice president of what, regular marketing? And, and so yeah. it's just, I'm glad somebody out there is saying it. So kudos to them for actually saying it. I'm hoping it takes, you know, sort of start to de-silo those two groups and start working more closely together as marketing in a digital world rather than sort of digital versus is offline or digital versus something else and, and all of that. So that's my that's my rave. Um, my rant. This I don't even know where to start with this one. Um, this one, at the, I'm going to risk sounding really snarky here, and I don't want to sound snarky at, at, on this particular thing because <clears throat> we get first of all we get we get letters when 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 I get too snarky here, but. This comes to us from Forbes. Forbes. It's just us. It's yeah, just, it's, <laughs> it's just, just, it's just the two of us. It's just nobody yeah, listens to the, this show. That is correct. All, you are, that's a good, good point. That's an excellent. <laughs> that's an excellent point. So this comes to us from Forbes, um, and the title of the article is "How to Start Your Own Content Marketing Business in 2016." And so that title, of course, as you might expect, of course, grabbed my attention. Right. So I go click through to it. And, you know, I'm sure the author of this article is a very smart, lovely guy and, and all of that. And I just think it's, it, it, it just, it, it, it's just sort of, it doesn't devalues, hit the mark. It just doesn't quite hit the mark. No, right. There's, there's, there's the way to say it. Basically, yes. it, he opens up by starting to talk about how to, basically, how to create your own content marketing business. And it might as well read like one of those commercials that you see on late night where it's like, you too can have your own website if you just call 1-800 for our CD kit, you know. It just – it reads like – it basically said, you know, the top, here's his tips, right? His tips for creating your own content marketing business is, hey, get into consulting. Because, you know what, consulting's basically, he doesn't say exactly this, but he basically says, consultants don't have to do much. They don't have to do any execution. So you could get into consulting, or you could get into content creation, or training, or social media marketing, or email marketing. Offer some range of services for every budget. Consider consulting. Clearly define your niche. Content's everywhere. Basically, now all everybody's using content. So you should do something that really clearly defines what you do. And on and on and on. It's like... It just and so I started reading this, and then of course embedded in there is a link where, especially when he says get into the consulting thing, it's like oh that's interesting. There's a link there, and I click through, and of course he works for a company, a software company that helps consultants manage the infrastructure for consulting, right? So it does invoicing and um, scheduling and CRM and something like that, and so. I click through to that, and I'm like, oh, I get – so I actually go back to Forbes to see if this is a brand voice article, right? This, this is some sort of native ad because it's clearly now meant to drive people who are interested in starting their own business to want to start their own business, and how would I do that? And then I start reading it again, and I read through the rest of the article, and it's just so – it's just not good. It's just it, – it's, it's, it, it's so it, – 
What I want him to do is I want him to redo this article and actually provide some value that isn't. We, we so often talk about articles on the other side of this. Content marketing is dead. It's dying. It's horrible. Don't do it. It's buzzword, blah, 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 blah. And this is the other extreme of that, which is content marketing is so hot, you should start doing it today. And then offering really no practical advice other than sort of platitudes of get good at the thing right and and then you should then you'll be successful at it and it's just to me it's just it's 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 anyway it's 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 my rant and and I'm trying not to be really you, snarky here you did just you did just thank fine you. all right thank you, are you. you take deep breaths it's okay yeah, i do you. want to thank, thank the author for linking to our our research so that was nice although that's yes. not going to happen anymore yeah <laughs> yes sorry <laughs> yeah. sorry me. sorry editorial no, team no, that's, yeah. that's i mean good. look i'll offer my own advice and i'll do it in three sentences instead of 1500 words get good at the thing do the thing then teach the thing the, you know, that's the, it's, it, that's what this article should say. <laughs> really become an expert. In- become an expert, know your topic, know what you want to do, then do it, actually do it. And then teach it to some other people. That's, 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 that's Well, it. the one thing the, the number two was, was uh, offer a range of services for every budget. I, that's not something that I would do. I would focus on, I mean, that's, let's say you got, you did all the stuff that you're talking about. Uh, You don't have to offer a range. You don't have to do any, that's, you're trying to be all things to all people. And we don't need to offer a range of services for every budget. Focus on who specifically you're trying to target. And this is what you're really good at offering and offer that. Right. And you don't have to worry about offering everything for, uh, it's it's funny because I had a really good conversation yesterday with uh, Paul Reitzer, who uh, a friend of ours, yeah. CEO at PR twenty twenty. He's really he's really good. He knows exactly what kind of company he wants to do business with, and he has exactly the kinds of packages. He says, "This is what we're really good at. This is what we're the best at. This is what we offer." And we turn down a lot more than we take in, and that's yeah. just it's what you need. It's to just do, so. it's smart. It's really really smart. But he's a smart oh, guy, so he is. He is a very smart dude. Um, all right. I think I have um, I have this old marketing, correct? You do. You do have well, this old marketing. What do we got? I hear it's a good one. I heard you, rumors that this is a good one. This is a good one. You are in for a treat, my friend. Um, <laughs> this is, I can't wait. Robert, I this is wait. one of those examples uh, that don't come along very often. I, now, I received a care package from our good friend Craig Coffey, uh, who yep. runs the content marketing over at welding manufacturer Lincoln Electric, proudly based in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, maybe you didn't, did or didn't know this. I don't know, but I'm going to give you the history anyways for the, for the benefit of our listeners. In August of t- 1926, they started producing a newsletter specifically designed for welders. It was called The Stabilizer. It had the tagline, published for operators who take pride in their jobs. And in the first issue, it says, this is, I just cut a part of the, the first, the opening editorial. It says, um, it's from A.F. Davis. It's up to you. If this little publication is going to be worth a tinker's dam, I had to. I'd like. Did he really say tinker's dam? Nice. Uh, that's a that's a phrase that has not that has not stuck around. In you know show. where I last it's heard not, of tinker's dam? That was yeah. in uh, a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, I'm sure it yeah, was in Django exactly. Unchained. Yeah. It's yeah. all up to you. Each one of you operators has is behind the shield of the very stuff that will make these pages bing. We don't want the stabilizer to preach. We wanted to teach. And he says, nice. so that's from the initial ed- editor of the nice. newsletter, A.F. Davis. Uh, other sections of the newsletter include how I can do it. And then they have um, 
you know, people, you know, basically questions coming in from their customers and they answer those questions. And then it says how I did it. And that was advice from their customers <clears throat> on how they did certain things. Now, this is the best part. And I'll take pictures of these and put them into the Saturday post so everybody can see this. But I have the original mock-up. Craig sent the original mock-up drawn up in full in pencil. And it's you have to be very careful with it because I don't want to destroy it in any way. Uh, but basically, it's it stays to the exact vision of the real piece. So basically, I'm looking at somebody that drew – I think it was A.F. Davis – drew this thing out drew the logo exactly how he wanted the editorial wow. and then I'm looking at the actual real version of issue one and it's just amazing from 1926 it's really really cool um, so it's fantastic just to see somebody's vision uh, come to life in a way like that so Craig sent me copies uh, from the stabilizer from the first edition in 1926 through 1930 and then I have a set from the 1980s and and all over that time the 50 60 years the same they basically kept to the same format it worked for them for 50, 60 years. Unbelievable. And a decade or so ago, Lincoln stopped producing the newsletter. Uh, but what's really amazing about this story is Craig and his team have brought it back. And we've talked about this on the show already in the form of what they call ARC Magazine, uh, which is a fantastic piece. And just wanted to say congratulations to, to the team at uh, Lincoln Electric. And, and that was your This Old Marketing Example of the Week. I love that. I mean, I, I, so I... I one of the reasons I love that so much is because the the drawing of it and how closely it matched, you know, it's like people forget how considered an effort that was back yeah. then, right? For them, it wasn't just, oh, let's start a newsletter, right? It was – that was going to be like a big that is deal. a big deal. Absolutely. It, you know, to start a newsletter then when you was going to go to run to printing press and you're going to have to manually lay that stuff out and really put all the design – together and all that kind of stuff is that was a considered purchase you know and a considered effort for for that company back then and so that's what i love so much about it is is it clearly they saw the importance of doing something like this and invested in it and you know the consistency and the length of time that it lasted is sort of the 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 you know the payoff right how 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 wonderful an institution that became for that you know, company. It's so interesting and I and we've talked about all these examples on the show, but and when I was at Penton we worked on a lot of these projects where for years and years, even decades, you had companies that, you know, every month or every quarter they would put in uh, quite a bit of effort to teach their customers something. To really what well, that usually came yeah. in the form of a magazine. And then like this one, I think, ended, Craig said, in the 90s, in the late 90s. I can't tell you how many of these projects stopped in the late 90s with the, with the internet boom. And everybody just said, well, right. we just go digital. I, get, I mean, we worked on a number of projects. And, and well, then didn't. And then, well, we and then didn't, right? And that's I can, the, that's I can the tell you, I can't tell you the names of them, but there were a number of projects at Penton that we lost. We were doing regular print publications. We lost them, and they would be they were going to go digital. And they went. They tried to do a digital magazine and what our article series and all this stuff. And then a year later, they came back and said, it just, didn't, just doesn't have the impact it once did. Let's tell it in this way. Um, and it's just interesting. Right. Because they because they equated digital with cheap. Yeah, they uh, most of it was hey we can get the same exact results uh, for a lot less money, and uh, of that's course, right that didn't 
did. And then, of course, that's not true. Anyway. Yeah. So, my friend, you are uh, – you're traveling, which is why we're doing this early. I am traveling. I Yeah, I leave tomorrow, actually, for lovely Istanbul. It's my first tr- business trip of the year, and, of course, I'm kicking it off with a doozy. Um, I'm back, you know, next Wednesday, so it's a fast trip. But, yeah, I'm off to Istanbul to do a content marketing workshop in the, in the city, so I'm – I got to say, I'm kind of excited. I've never been there before. I've, it's, it's, I've never been to Turkey. It's, it should be really, really You've interesting. Never been to Turkey. <laughs> I've never been to Turkey. Uh, well, while you're doing that and having fun <laughs> flying overseas, I've got a. I'm going to be doing yep. a keynote uh, at uh, Workfronts, a good good partners of ours, Workfronts. Oh um, yes, yep. I so worked with them they're, last they're, year. Fantastic their, folks uh, there. Ditty for their sales team, and then I fly. F- are you going to their? Are you going to no, their building? No, I'm not. They're, this is in Vegas. Okay. So they're going okay. to uh, okay. do, just do – they're having a, a sales meeting. Their building I've is been unbelievable. Building. I was there. I, I was at their building before they were called Workfront when it was at Task. That's when I was there. Um, okay. Which I don't know if it was the same building, but uh, – but I don't know either, but it's it was incre- – the, the way that it's laid out and the offices and the way the workspace is, it's, it's one of those places you go, wow, I could totally work here. Maybe, it's, it's, maybe it's fantastic. they didn't invite me there, so I, I'm not doing that. But then yeah. right after – Well, you're going to Vegas. Yeah, I'm going, you're to, going to Vegas. Vegas. Right after Shut that, up. I'm going to Denver to, uh, for BMA Colorado. I've got a lot of good friends there. So ah, very the, nice. The gig there, and oh. I'm going to see Carla Johnson, your co-author on the of course you experiences. Of course you will. Yep. And um, and a lot of other friends there in, in Denver, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank well, you. safe travels to you, um, and thank you very much. And that is it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose. We're signing off, and you know, we do love those story ideas. Thank you so much. This, story, this show was chock-a-block full of them, and uh, hashtag this old marketing. That's the way we see them, folks. So um, if you at reply us or, or do that thing with a show idea, do hit the hashtag because it's how we search for it when we're putting together the show notes. Um, and, you know... If you've got a question, you can also send us email, thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode number 113, we hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. And all the links that we talked about today will be available in the show notes that we'll publish um, when the show publishes on Monday evening. And of course, everything including the pictures that Joe talked about with This Old Marketing will be in the Saturday post at thisoldmarketing.com on Content Marketing Institute's website. Until then, everybody, remember, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Market. Part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.